So it would be nice to say uh, that you've been on a cruise for your holidays, or even in your holidays, and you'll be able to do that if you're in sea houses and you head down towards the harbour. Because as you approach the harbour, you'll see a variety of uh, brightly coloured uh, cabins, um, and these are the cabins that are announcing the uh, uh, destinations and times of the boats that leave the harbour to um, carry you to the Farne Islands. Some allow you to land on the Inner Farne and Staple Island. Others uh, allow you to uh, have a look at the Longston Lighthouse. And one of Billy Shields' boats, I know, will offer you a uh, cruise to Lindisfarne at the Holy Island um, and return. Now, each one of these uh, boats have been licensed by the Board of Trade. Uh, they've all got full life-saving kit and they're regularly inspected and certified. But if you're still a trifle timid, the, uh, the boat, the Glad Tidings 5, from Billy Shields' hut on the harbour, is the largest cruise boat in the fleet and is licensed to carry 106 passengers. Um, the benefit of this is it, it has a salon, uh, undercover, and a Tinkelhausen, a WC, um, which may be convenient for those of the uh, uh, visitors that uh, need this facility. Uh, the skipper of this boat, John Dawson, guides his vessel as if it were a piece of thistledown, sailing within feet of the nesting birds. Now all of the trip boats from each supplier have a fully qualified skipper and crew are fully insured and give excellent commentary throughout the voyage and check with them to find out which one that suits you best. The f furthest of these 26 islands, there's, well there's 26 at low tide and considerably less at high, but the uh, longest distance you might travel to a Farne Island is four and a half miles from the shore and it, the whole trip would take about an hour and a half. Now the uh, furthest island that you can see is the Longston and that's where the red and white striped lighthouse dominates the horizon. Now this light is visible for over 20 miles and it's one of the strongest in the Trinity House Group, that group that is responsible nationally for the maintenance of maritime safety. So you've chosen uh, to sail on whatever you've chosen and you will uh, be about uh, two hours exploring on the islands of the Inner Farne or the Staple Island if you have chosen that. However, be aware that all of these islands uh, under the uh, custodianship of the National Trust and you will be free to land if you are a member but if not there is an additional charge. So you've uh, uh, passed the harbour bar and the PA system has kicked in has told you all the, uh, the, the safety announcements a bit like the uh, uh, air hostess on a, on a a flight. They don't point you to the exits though on this one which you'll be pleased to hear. Um, 
So, you're on your way to Norway, or heading for it. And the first island you come to, the large cliffs rear at you. These are 80 feet high Winston Cliffs of the Inner Farn. Now, this Inner Farn uh, has this wonderful lighthouse that is now powered by solar power, but was once powered by carbide. And you may still see the uh, remains of this carbide underneath uh, on the rocks of the uh, of the uh, Winston. Now the island is about 16 acres and 11 of these are just bare rock and there's a small freshwater pond um, at the western end of the island. St Aidan was the first recorded hermit of this island and it was from here that he beseeched his god uh, to turn the wind that was fanning the flames of a fire that had been built by the pagan armies of Penda from Mercia uh, in the hope of burning out the, uh, the current custodians of that that was Bamber Castle at the time. His beseeching had immediate effect and the wind turned and the uh, fire set forward to uh, attack Penda. It reversed and it consumed his army. So it was at that point that, uh, having been answered in his prayers, the locals understood that this place was within God's hearing. St Cuthbert is associated greatly with this island and he first came here in AD 676 whilst he was the prior of Lindisfarne and he built a small conical uh, oratory entirely for himself without any roof so that he might only see uh, the sky and the occasional distraction of the birds um, so nothing that was to interrupt his meditation and his prayers. Also, you may not have heard, but this was the last refuge of the pygmy flint people. These were pygmies who rode on goats and they were dressed in black cows and they fought with lances before ultimately they were driven to the neighbouring islands called the Wedhams by the uh, planting of straw crosses on the beach. So you may see a few of these straw crosses on the beach, you may not, but if they're there, what they're doing is preventing the return of the dreaded pygmy flint people. So uh, on the uh, last sojourn of the island of St Cuthbert in AD 697, when he was then the Bishop of Lindisfarne, uh, he, uh, he died in his little uh, uh, oratory. And uh, there's a charming chapel that is still consecrated ground that was built to commemorate his, uh, his solace in uh, meditation on the island. And this was built in 1370 and has the most beautiful stained glass and uh, some very, very impressive pews that were a gift from the uh, 
cathedral in Durham because the uh, uh, advowson, as it were, of the island in terms of its administration was still governed by the uh, monastic community in the cathedral at Durham and they donated the pews. I think it was the early 15th century but anyway they're carved from bog oak but do have a look at them they're absolutely uh, stunning. The, uh, the peel tower adjacent to the chapel was built by a prior castell again uh, one of the uh, uh, members of the monastic community in the cathedral at Durham and he had this built in order that he might save the relics of St Cuthbert from the marauding Scots during the Reavers times um, and he was immensely successful at this because there's no recorded uh, attack by the Scots on the, uh, on the island. It now has a more benign purpose, it serves as a dormitory for the National Trust Wardens who manage and record the wildlife here in the summer um, and there's plenty of it and particularly on the inner farm you'll find that odd shaped clown of the sea um, known locally as Tommy Noddy the puffin makes this his home throughout the season and the only occasion when they ever make land is when they're born and when they return to reproduce. They live of course in the rabbit holes which are legendary on the island and uh, you must be careful while you're watching these birds because you will also perhaps be in the path of Cuddy's ducks. Um, what are these I hear you ask? Well these are the uh, female eider ducks and they nest wheresoever they choose on the island, even if it's on the pathway, and under no circumstances will they move, not for you or St Cuthbert or anybody. Um, and these enchanting creatures are credited with keeping St Cuthbert warm during his solace on the island uh, with their eider down, that's the down they pluck regularly from their breasts. So look out for the black and white male and the uh, brindle coloured female of Cuddy's ducks. So now on to Staple Island. Staple Island um, has three uh, very impressive um, towers or, or uh, well in fact they're no locally known as the pinnacles of Windstone um, at its uh, eastern edge and these um, windstone columns are the breeding site for cormorant, shags, guillemots, terns, even pigeons, all squabbly and hardly an inch uh, can be taken uh, without a fight. The noise is horrific in the breeding season and it is astonishing to see how all these birds uh, manage to, to breed. It's very fortunate that nature has ensured that all of the seabirds' eggs are conical so that when they uh, 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 deliver this egg onto a seemingly barren rock face 
the egg cannot fall because it just goes round in this circle of the of the uh, size of the egg, which is really rather clever. So uh, do uh, land on Staple Island if you wish to have some of the most amazing wildlife photographs you're ever likely to take. So the next island that you would come to is that of the Brownsman. Um, and you will see on there the, uh, the cottage that the now two National Trust wardens spend their summer when they're cataloguing the, uh, the birds. The uh, original um, tower that you see there was to uh, burn peat that was rowed to the island from those at Monk House, which we'll come to when we go to Bamborough. But uh, this primitive lighthouse was um, dismantled in, in 1810 and the cottage were built um, and as I say are now for the National Trust Wardens. Now you go onwards to the outer farms. We've been on the inner farms and now we go to the outer ones and to the infamous Harkar Rocks. And these uh, rocks harbour the largest colony of grey seals in the country. And you might see these playful creatures living uh, the idyllic life they lead here in the summer, basking on the rocks, and there are thousands of them. Um, and they live here amongst the cold waters and thick seaweed, and they have no natural predators around. So they greet all of the boats with a apparent great pleasure as every boat that comes near them as they're underwater they tend to surface and smile benignly at all of the passengers. However not so happy are the fishermen locally because a fully grown grey seal may eat up to seven pounds weight of fish a day and when you see the number of seals that there are you won't be surprised that they are not the fisherman's friend. So after that we're, uh, we're at the Longston, the Longston Lighthouse, which is that iconic red and white stripe. And it's here that the Darling family um, leapt, not deliberately, but they did leap into fame. The Darling family were a family from Bamborough and they were hereditary lighthouse keepers. Um, and they uh, were guarding the, uh, the passage at the Longston Light on the night of September the 7th in 1838 when at four in the morning in the teeth of a howling gale and some said a hurricane, but the uh, powerless paddle steamship, the state-of-the-art uh, steamship, the Forfisher, en route to Dundee from Hull, um, ran aground on the Harkar rocks that you've just passed and broke her back and sank. Now, on the, uh, uh, or in the lighthouse, was the youngest daughter of the... Uh, the family Grace, Grace Darling, uh, and she awoke 
at seven in the morning to see nine survivors of the wreck marooned on the little Harkar rock. So waking her father and knowing that she did not have the strength to row back from the rock, she set out with him. Uh, they had an, an oar each in their little coble to rescue the poor souls, one of whom, uh, a Mrs Richardson, was there holding the bodies of her two drowned sons. Five of the survivors were uh, rescued at once uh, and with the help of the crewman rowed back to the lighthouse and then this crewman returned with uh, Mr Darling to uh, rescue the remaining four survivors. This selfless act of heroism made Grace's name a watchword for all of the gracious and courageous deeds that is still held as a talisman by all the local seafarers and was held in Victorian times to be the model of uh, womanhood. And this gentle lady uh, is now remembered in the uh, cemetery at Bamborough Church, which hopefully you'll visit during your afternoon's tour to Bamborough. You may also visit the uh, Lifeboat Museum to Grace, um, which is next door to where she was born in Bamborough, and you may see the coble that she and her father used in this rescue. Um, and it will amaze you that so young a girl could commit herself to the uh, saving of others in such a perilous little craft. So now sit back and uh, marvel at the views that you get from the far distance of the Cheviot Hills um, and then in the middle distance you have that uh, uh, iconic image of Bamborough Castle, wonderful view from the sea here, uh, and also the uh, blockhouse, the castle of uh, Lindisfarne. So you have uh, many opportunities for excellent photography, which will help you, I'm sure, remember this day. Now anyway, you've got a bit more time in the day, I'm sure, so it may be that you would wish to, uh, to visit the uh, icon that is uh, Bamborough. So to do this you've got uh, a choice of course of taking your car along the B1340 um, and parking it in below the castle in Bamborough or you may choose to walk um, from sea houses uh, and it is a delight uh, to walk along the sands looking at the islands on your right a huge stretch of beach underneath the castle. You could land a Boeing on it. Um, it is absolutely stunning. So, whichever is your preference, halfway towards Bamborough you will come across a series of little stone buildings and it's a complex which is now known as Monk's House. Um, originally, and the origin of its name, was that 
two or three of the monastic community at Lindisfarne were tasked with um, uh, tending the garden of the uh, uh, the house that they had there uh, uh, to produce the vegetables necessary for those that were um, hermits uh, on the island of the Inner Farm. Um, and it was noted that uh, on his time there, Cuthbert, St. Cuthbert, would uh, only eat onions. And I think this possibly goes some way into explaining why so few people uh, went to visit him. Anyway, um, within the 1800s, this site held a pub called the St. Cuthbert, and it was from here that it was the only time you would ever be able to be taken to the Farne Islands by hailing uh, or persuading a, a fisherman from North Sunderland, or sea houses as it became, uh, to come along to Monk's house and pick you up on the beach and take you there. So the site of Bambra must have been the same more or less for everybody since King Ada, who was the uh, flame bearer as he was known, arrived with his war band in AD 547. Now that is a long time ago. And the massive Winston outcrop has provided a military base and a fortification ever since the ice melted. So the building is currently in the ownership of the son of the late uh, uh, Lord Armstrong, the most engaging man, uh, Francis Armstrong, who insists on being known locally as Frankie, um, and he's just acquired the most delightful wife uh, in Claire, Claire Thorburn, a lovely local lady. Um, and they are the current owners of this castle, and they discharge their duties towards it diligently. But the building uh, and its successive owners, or conquerors, only used it uh, uh, for defensive purposes and it was impregnable and almost implacable in its nature, which has made the, uh, the site an icon. I think the, the most telling part of the castle is the one really that you can't see, uh, and it's the one that always amazes me the most, because inside the castle, inside the original Norman keep that was built after the Norman invasion, there is a well, an internal well, that has been dug and it's 70 feet deep through the Winston. Now you might be able to see this when you stand in front of the castle from the road or the, where the cricket pitch is and have a look because you can see the war memorial or the, um, the um, uh, figure that is uh, white uh, on the... Uh, side of the castle uh, is in sandstone carved into the rock and above that you'll see the layer of Winston so that's the amount of Winston that had to be uh, dug through. Uh, Winston is a dolerite it's harder than granite 
So how they did this in medieval times is beyond imagination. But if you listen carefully, and so you should, you might hear a ah, ah. This will be the giant toad that lives at the bottom of the well. Uh, and this toad was in fact uh, the original stepmother, wicked stepmother, who um, condemned, uh, chilled winds, uh, a local hero bride, uh, to uh, uh, become a worm, um, like the lambton worm in Durham, a serpent slithered uh, along the spindle stone rocks which are above uh, the Bamborough Castle. And she was transformed back um, into herself as a beautiful princess when chilled wind came and slew the worm uh, and kissed it as it lay dying and transformed her back. Wonderful story. The Spindle Stone Worm. Copy available for you in the gift shop. Anyway, voted the um, most, oh well perhaps I think it came second but we like to think it should have been first, the most perfect view in Britain. The castle is in fact a magnet for all of those whose love of beauty is matched by their respect for the past. Because Bamborough has a past second to none. For it was the seat of all of the Angle kings and in the 8th century was the spiritual capital of Europe. Um, the Christian tradition of uh, Bamborough originated when King Oswald um, defeated Pender at the Battle of Havenfield in AD 635. Um, Oswald had been educated on the island of Iona and instructed in Celtic Christianity by St. Columba. So when he, with his sister Ebba, um, whom we met at Bedenal, um, and his brother Oswin, uh, appeared in Bamborough to uh, take the throne, and he defeated, as I say, Pender, who had ambitions to defeat the Northumbrians and become King of England. But all of the Kings of England have stayed in Bamborough until it was finally uh, forced to surrender to the Yorkists in the Wars of the Roses, when six fusillades of uh, a newfangled um, uh, war machine called a cannon finally breached the uh, hitherto unbreachable walls. Um, as we talked earlier, the necessity for a castle was eliminated on the accession to the English throne by King James VI of Scotland, 1603, when he formed his United Kingdom. Um, so Bamborough, like all of the other castles, um, was a necessary as a defence mechanism and deteriorated rapidly. Um, it was latterly bought by the Lord Crewe, who was a Bishop of Durham, and he um, bought this to found a school for young girls 
um, currently unemployed and uh, had them trained to be uh, servants, domestic servants. So that kept it going for a while until such times as Lord Armstrong, he of the uh, Cragside fame, in 1898 um, bought the castle and it was his ambition to uh, restore it. Now he had the choice of buying Bamborough or in fact the ruin at Walkworth which is where Harry Hotspur um, had lived and you may see that when we have the day there. But Lord Armstrong bought it and had extremely deep pockets as we well know, and he spent just a, about a million pounds in its uh, restoration, which even in those days was many buffalo hides. Yeah. But if you just look at the hammer ceiling, beam ceiling in the Great Hall, using local oak from his estate, um, that alone and the well make the price of admission well worth it. So it's a totally unmissable uh, visit and of course they have the most super tea room which has a wide array of meltingly good Northumbrian scones and pies. You will love it. Now the next place we're going to go to is the church of Bamborough. So after the successful defeat of the heathen uh, at Havenfield, we may go there together uh, if we go to the Roman Wall. Anyway, uh, King Oswald, um, the victorious king, sent back to Iona for a monk to come and help him evangelise his new subjects. And in response to his request, he was sent the monk Aidan. Now, when the king invited the new vicar to choose where he would like to have his new uh, church and his oratory, Aidan chose the island of Lindisfarne, as it apparently reminded him so much of Iona, where he had spent all of his life um, being tutored by St. Columba. But he also requested that a church be built near the king's castle at Bamborough, in order that he might have the king to act for, as an interpreter for him, for he only spoke Erse, uh, the um, Celtic language of Iona, and uh, not the Northumbrian that uh, was spoken by the natives. Now, the uh, Church of Bambra became a most valuable living um, and it was given to the Augustinian friars of the Priory at Nostell in Yorkshire by Henry II in order to combat the spread of the Benedictine power, the Benedictine monks who actually threatened his own. And thus it became a monastic community um, as you can see when you're in there the size of the Isles, there are two. It was sacked by the Scots on two or three occasions, 
but try as they might, they couldn't burn the beam at which St. Aidan was leaning when he died. Um, and this beam can now still be seen at the uh, uh, base of the bell tower, holding the bell tower up, where the bell chimes each Sunday. You may go and have a look at it. So that beam was there since, uh, or has been, in existence since 651, when Aidan died. As you approach the, uh, come down the chancel towards the, uh, the altar, you'll see the separation, which is the leper squint, the two crosses you can see are diagonals, as if they were uh, diagonal crosses. These are where the unfortunates who had contracted this disease, often on crusades, and they were forced to witness the mass um, and uh, were a forbidden uh, entrance uh, towards the altar, although they still had to uh, pay their contribution in the, in the offertory. You would perhaps not expect to see this over an altar, but there hangs on the left-hand side of the altar uh, a, a set of armour. There's the, the helmet, the breastplate, uh, the gauntlet and the sword of uh, uh, the murderer of the son of John Forster, who was the warden of the marsh in the um, Reavers' times. And he had been killed in a duel in Newcastle. Um, and his father believed this to have been murder. And he had his son's armour placed over the altar and sent out a note to all of Northumberland that the culprit and the, the murderer might come to Bamborough if he dare and remove it and suffer the retribution due from a grieving father. The, uh, the beauty of the Rideros of all of the uh, Northumbrian saints, both male and female, are of a, a staggering quality, carved in sandstone in 1890 by uh, Hicks. They are an absolute delight. And as you stand there looking in wonder at it, you would be perhaps basking in the glorious light that comes on a summer's day through the beautiful Flemish stained glass as you look to your right as you face the altar. Um, when you're there, take a look down at the uh, right-hand side and at the bottom on the floor you'll see uh, the grave cover of a recumbent knight with his legs crossed as a crusader. Um, it's known locally as the tomb of Lancelot du Lach. And could this, in fact, be the original or the final resting place of that knight who broke both a king and a queen's heart, Guinevere and Arthur? So, please don't leave the church without stopping and looking at the uh, wondrous rather contemporary stained glass, uh, the three panels um, as you exit 
on your, your left. They are commemorating the lives of two children, a boy and a girl, separately uh, from separate masters of Balliol College in Oxford who still have the advowson, that's the, the right to appoint a vicar. Um, and this, these, this glass um, is their memorial and I uh, defy you not to have a tear in your eye as you uh, depart. Now, as you get out of the church, turn right and you will see the uh, memorial, a wonderful elaborate memorial to Grace Darling. Um, you will have seen uh, her carving in the church and this is the uh, replica of that and it is in its current position at the request of the local fishermen because it was a hundred yards further inland um, when it was originally um, uh, erected but the fishermen complained because they could not see it from the sea and as she was their talisman they requested that it were to be moved and so it was. So exit the north gate of the churchyard in the top uh, corner and directly in front of you uh, on the other side of the road is the museum to Grace Darling that I promised you and you can go in there and see the small cobble that uh, Viking hulled um, uh, rowing boat which she and her father used in the rescue. Your entrance fee will support the RLNI um, who you fortunately didn't need today on your trip to the farms. However had you needed them the brand new um, lifeboat of Seahouses would have been immediately to your rescue. So apart from the other necessary visit you've finished with Banbury and the uh, the necessary visit is to cross the green to go to Carter's Butchers and there you might buy the most delicious and juicy Scotch pie made with warm water crust pastry and spiced mutton. It's absolutely splendid and also their bangers are so famous that they're available by the ton. And if you would wish during the evening to disport yourself amongst some very fine food that is Michelin recommended, go to the Potted Lobster just a little bit further up from Carter's, past the Victoria Hotel, and uh, this Richard Sim is the chef there, whose uh, ability to create the most melting seafood dishes has won him many allocades and numerous friends. So that concludes your day. Um, back to where you came, and a well-deserved dry sherry before the evening meal.